Greetings and welcome to the Elephant TV. My name is Joko Buthi. Today I'll be speaking to Rokia Botan, an activist, co-founder of Lead Now, and a policy analyst. Uh, she's currently based in Wasaso in Somalia. Welcome, Rokia, to the Elephant. Thank you for having me, Joko. Rokia, uh, just to start off this conversation, Somalia has postponed its elections to sometime in October. How did Somalia, particularly the political class and the political establishment, get to this moment, but how would you describe the, the history that Somalia has come to this moment? Uh, as you know, um, Somalia in general um, had a, um, a unique election process to begin with. Um, right. And that usually, uh, because it was an indirect election and it was powered by traditional elders um, who indirectly select the lower house and the regional states uh, who elect the, an upper house and combine the houses, then elect the president, who then appoints a prime minister, and then who appoints a cabinet, right? right, right. And so this, this was the setup that has happened and has been successful in trying to bring the country back together after years of civil war. Right. And so we had successful um, you know, election, indirect election process that happened. And, we, and, and how do you um, manage, measure that success is that the election is accepted by all uh, 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 oppositions um, and political elites and who say, all right, this person has won and we agree. And so, and that, that creates this uh, political leverage. Um, this cycle was unique because President Farmajo, who was elected in 2017 with a landslide and he, uh, he, him and his cabinet has promised numerous times in the previous three years that they will move away from this indirect election towards one person, one vote. Now that's a very bold claim, specifically because the South, South Central Somalia rural areas, majority are either, um, either fully controlled by at that time Al-Shabaab or there were guerrilla warfares where they would go into these towns and retrieve and come back. So the government was, did not have control over the vast majority of the country to then make this bold promise consistently for three years in his administration that they will move away from this indirect election to mm -hmm. one person, one vote, created this, um, to many it created a hope because we do want to move away from this. We do want to empower people to go and vote and have a say in the political system. Yet most thinking person re would realize that this was a very impossible um, uh, deadline to achieve. Right. It would have been better if he, the, the current administration said, we will open the process towards reaching that. It may not be this term, but we want to build these institutions that allows it well our security uh, forces gain more grounds where we fight against al-Shabaab and other extremists, uh, including ISIS. That would have been a more realistic, achievable goal. However, this part created uh, a confusion when, when it was realized that the country cannot go towards one person, one, 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 uh, one vote, then it meant that we had to revert back to the systems. Um, and that's when the September 17 agreement occurred after numerous discussions with the federal member states, as well as uh, other uh, um, stakeholders, including the international community, as you know, has been always uh, giving the oxygen mask in Somalia's political um, formation post-conflict. Post, uh, and so when the September 17 was, was a, there was an agreement that there was gonna be indirect election, the delegation would be 101 delegates would vote for each member of parliament. Right. Um, and, and through that, the process would be the same as right. the, the, that unique system. 
But then right away, two member states said that this process was rigged by the current administration, including um, putting um, stacking more of its allies in the uh, election boards. Mm. And so they kind of stepped away from it. And then uh, the president made some other bold moves, including um, requesting an extension, two years extension, which then um, followed by the conflict and, 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 and the sporadic violence in Mogadishu. Um, and then the international community, along with other uh, um, entities, demanded that the, 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 the president and the member, uh, member of uh, the, the leaders of the regional authorities sit back on the table and agree on the September 17 agreement and move the country towards an indirect election. And the extension was rejected by the Security Council, by the United States, by other uh, big powers. Um, and obviously it was rejected by the locals. Mm -hmm. And so why has it, this happened? Why has this uh, political impasse, as you have asked, um, occurred when this system has already been done a couple of terms now uh, from Abdullah Yusuf to Sheikh Sharif, Sheikh Sharif mm -hmm. to uh, Hassan Sheikh Mohammed, and then from Ajah, what happened, what went wrong? I think in a way it was always going to be this way because it was a failure of, 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 of vision, uh, visionary and, and, and stable leadership vision for the country. Right. Um, it, this, this administration was rigged by a lot of rhetoric, the nation, nationalism rhetoric, which right. is you know, desired in any country. However, um, mm. it has to be backed up by what can be done on the ground. Um, and it was a lot, of, uh, a lot of promises and very little deliverance. Mm. Um, it also gave opportunities to other failed politicians who had no venue before, um, now that the, the, the current administration have sort of missed a step and created this chaos, it allowed um, to create other heroes right. from other failed corrupt politicians who are now gaining stage because of the, the mishaps of this administration. Right. I mean, you, you've mentioned, you know, uh, often it's usually, it's usually women, and women and children who, who suffer the brunt of this, right? And how does this look like on a day-to-day -day basis in Somalia within society, within the culture, also within, within the, the economy and the market? How does it look like? Um, it's, it is interesting that, um, like you said, that the, when conflict occurs, the brunt of it hits women and, 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 and uh, children, and especially women and girls. Right. Um, and women and girls do make up about 50% of Somali society. However, um, Somali's conflict is driven by, obviously, poverty, interclan mm -hmm. um, conflicts, um, and it's deeply rooted in a society that's clan-based um, and, and, and pastoral. And, mm. um, uh, that's something that's obviously driven um, into the mainstream Somali political dialogue. Right. Um, and so uh, women's everyday interactions with this system and equality um, looks like it has many faces. Right. The first thing it has is that women and girls tend to have less access to justice. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a huge aspect of it. Um, many times um, when crimes are committed or when uh, a woman is seeking her economic um, and, 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 and political aspirations, there are roadblocks and that and, and creates a lot of fear. Um, and, and that has consequences in the overall morale and the ability for women and girls to seek advancements in many areas in, in their lives. Um, the other issue is um, how it looks like is that you have decisions that are critical um, for women and, 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 and girls who are done without them 
without them seeking voice and policies that are uh, pushed, um, um, development projects that are, are made on behalf of sometimes women that, has, that women have zero contribution or voice. And sometimes it actually is harmful. Those policies not only are not helpful, but at times harmful. Right. Um, and that, that's what it looks like. It looks like um, when you are not seen in the community as an equal person, when you don't have the same rights as your counterparts, and when you don't have a, a, a table, uh, a voice in the table of decision-making, it means that um, not only are you uh, not visible, it also means that you're harmed by many of these practices. Mm. The last couple of years has been great, uh, tremendous, tremendous work that has been done, organizing, involving, involving more women into the political processes. How has the organizing been like? Uh, and the organizer has taken place, but importantly, what are some of the achievements that Somali has made? Right. Yes, so, you know, it, 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 sometimes it's really easy to be caught up with all the things that are not working um, to not see the progress that's being made on the ground. Um, but progress, like you've mentioned, has been happening. Sometimes to our frustration, a little slower than we like. But um, one of the things um, that's quite an interesting thing is that uh, there is this, um, maybe we'll have more discussion about that in, in, your, in later questioning, but the idea that Somali woman needs to be saved, um, that discussion. Um, when I, <laughs> when I um, uh, joined a group of uh, incredibly strong women across Somalia, across all regions of Somalia. And we right. said, we have, we have to do something. We have to do something to not only help these sporadic um, um, entities, because there are women organizations. I've always been there for many, many years. There right. are women who have been doing the grunt work for many, many years. They're not seen, they're not visible, but they're doing the work. And, um, and we said, how do we create a platform that not, not a new entity, but a platform that kind of gets all these different important work and put and provides a platform so that mm. we all know of each other and we can support each other more. The Lead Now movement started from that. It wasn't something that was started from scratch. It was just a continuation um, of the work that's already been done on the ground by women. One mm. of the most interesting things for me is um, when we first organized our first many conferences and meetings and, 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 uh, and activities on the ground, we were surprised of the amount of work that women have been doing individually in their communities to better the woman agenda, right? Mm. Many of them may not even have the fancy um, uh, international languages of, of gender equality or sustainability, all those things, right? right? But the work they're doing is more critical because it touches the lives of people. Right. The other thing we realized is that women, Somali women are learning um, that the concept of praising and asking and, and, and explaining to their counterparts that we women deserve a seat, we women deserve an opportunity, we women deserve better education, better healthcare. It's never gonna work. Mm. We can't ask what is ours. We have to take and we have to demand and we have to provide a place where there is no other option but to make those commitments to, to push the woman's agenda. The other unfortunate thing that we learned is just because you're pushing women into these seats and th these positions does not mean that uh, uh, gaining quota does not translate into lives of women being, being transformed, right? It does not transfer into systemic change. It does not transfer into better opportunities for girls in rural area. It mm. just means this is one component of the work that needs to be done. Right. Um, having women visible in these institutions is great, 
But you need to also understand that, for example, we were able to achieve the 24% quota um, in the last election cycle. And, you know, it's a 30% quota, but we were able to hit 24%, which is, right. you know, amazing. It hasn't happened before. So we had, we, we sent 80 women um, to the parliament right. uh, to represent uh, 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 um, uh, women and, 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 and people in, in the highest level of office. Yet, when you look at the laws that were rejected and that has passed, including the sexual uh, 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 offenders bill, okay. SOB, mm-hmm. um, women did not vote for that bill, who were sitting in the member of parliament, the very mm-hmm. woman that we've been asking them to join the parliament, the, the very uh, people that we pushed to, to get through those systems. And at sometimes uh, you wonder, you say, wait a minute, does this mean that we have failed? Um, no, it doesn't mean that. It means that the, the system that, that kept the woman out is still very active when they're in. Hmm. Even if a member of parliament is in there, the very barriers that was already created system, systemically, it will also prevent barriers for these women to achieve and to excel and to gain the confidence to really exercise the power in that position. Right. And so we, that means that we have to do more work. It didn't mean that we have to, you know, some of the some of the questions that we receive is, well, women, there's now you have about 80 uh, mm-hmm. member of parliament in, in, in the federal government, yet they were not able to deliver. Right. And, and, you know, and it's hard. For, it's, 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 it's moralizing if you think about it. But then you have to kind of look at the context. Mm-hmm. What does that mean in Somalia? What does a woman MP really, well, how much power does she really have? How much power does she have to challenge traditional elders, religious groups, and, mm. and these elites, you know? Right. And so we have to build our, our, our movement, we have to build our activism based on that. Mm-hmm. And not just say, oh, we gained, we gained the quota, that's great, fantastic, we, you know, we're going to go home. No, the work just started. Um, just started. And so, so to, to, to go back to that question is, in every corner in Somalia, there hasn't been a rural city or a rural town or city that I have visited or worked in where I haven't seen a woman um, who's taken the forefront of, uh, of the fight for equality and justice. It doesn't have to sound um, Western. It doesn't have to sound uh, um, fancy, but she's doing the work. When a woman uh, who's a farmer pays 10 girls school fee because the dads depict, they said, we were able, we're gonna send our boys to school because we can't afford the school fee for both boys and girls, and a woman who have who herself have never been educated decided in her town that she's going to pay for ten girls' education whose parents can't afford. That to me is much more um, fundamental in helping, uh, uh, you know, uh, along the movement of woman equality than any any person sitting in a conference somewhere in you know in New York or or Nairobi. Right. And so work is happening on the ground. We just don't recognize it as fundamental work because we don't, if we don't sound like, mm. like what the international, you know. So, so for, for us, we were very, very pleased to know that, um, to get to know these women across the country and to kind of, and, and to kind of pick that up and, and put that on the national stage and say, look what's happening, what the women are doing, look how much we have achieved. And, and now what can we do? What mm. can we do to move the agenda along? Okay. I mean, okay, I mean, just, I mean, you're talking about even uh, not sounding like, you know, the international uh, New York and, and that kind of language. But one of the criticisms that has been, that has been uh, in mainstream gender studies, in particular feminism, uh, feminist writers are from the global south and non-Western, non-Western scholars and thinkers around, uh, around his own gender is the universalization of the, of the archetypal uh, Western feminist uh, as, as the, mm-hmm. as the, as the archetype and as the benchmark for, for all feminism. Right. 
Uh, and right. this, and one of the criticisms has always been, uh, this is without, uh, it doesn't take into consideration context history, uh, you know, context history, material conditions that uh, women in other parts of the world are, and, uh, are facing yeah. and how they're interrogating their own realities. Uh, so my question would be, even, even as you're talking, as you're rightly saying, you know, uh, people are saying that in Somalia now, uh, the fact that women have gotten, have gotten many quarters in, within, within the, the political processes, there are all these police legislations being uh, enacted. But then how then, how then should this conversation uh, happen within the nuance of the Somali society, taking into consideration, as you rightly said, the religious, religious, religious order, mm -hmm. uh, the elders, the political class, how does this conversation uh, take within the society? But then secondly, how also do we move from this from move from the fetish the fetishization, particularly of the the Somali Muslim woman? And this is again this is this is again is a is a is a is inhibits the Western imagination. How how do we how do, how do we move this this how do we move this very complex terrain to now give agency to the Somali woman, uh, politically, economically, socially within uh, the society to move the society ahead and not to you know disrupt or to you know, and whatever you may be, but really, really as a, as, a, as a space for progress. How do right. you do this, Rukia? I mean, these are important questions and I think I could discuss um, my understanding of it, but I think this is a discussion that needs to be done more frequently. Um, and I may not have the right answer or, uh, you know, or, or the answer for these right. really critical questions. Mm. However, I would say that um, one of the things, um, if I move a little bit away from women and just go on, like just in okay. general, mm. um, uh, the, uh, the development work um, uh, that's pushed by the international community's agenda, right. we have always been unsuccessful when, when, when it becomes a copy-paste, right? right. Um, a few years back, there was uh, something called the New Deal, um, for Somalia, and yes. you can imagine where the New Deal comes from yes. after um, the, uh, the FDR. Yeah. Yes. yes, yes, yes. So imagine there's this New Deal um, uh, thing that's supposed to robust Somalia's economic infrastructure. They created this architecture. They were very fancy, very mm -hmm. fancy terms. We had working groups, and we and and, and those working groups included member states as well as the federal uh, federal uh, people, uh, right. experts, uh, technical technocrats, and also obviously international communities from the different embassies. It's Italy, it's Britain, uh, US and so on. Um, they were, and a lot of meetings happened rather in Europe, in Mogadishu, in um, uh, Brussels, in London. And the idea was that this is going to be the initiative that's going to take the country from this economic situation and then um, end political situation to, to another, uh, to a better stage. Mm. However, that initiative failed. <laughs> mm. Surprise, surprise. And it failed because it was basically trying to create uh, trying to borrow from Westerners, uh, uh, um, Western approach mm -hmm. to something that's dealing with Somalia, right? right. Um, if you don't localize something and if, it, if it's not natural and homegrown, it does tend to fail. A lot of money was wasted, um, but I don't remember after the, that administration left, this current administration came, you just don't hear the New Deal anymore. And what happened? All years of work, no, how did that translate into, I always go back to whatever's being done, how does that better the lives of Somali people or near right. Somali people? Right. And that's how, that should be the measuring stick. Mm -hmm. It should not be, we were able to produce hundreds of documents, we were able to send um, Somali elites to Brussels to, to talk about this um, initiative that would one day make a difference in Somalia. The idea is how did this 
look how did this affect the lives of Somali people? And so going to from that to the, to the movement of democracy, for example, a couple of years back and, and still now, many Western countries say Somalia needs to move towards democracy, right? Mm -hmm. Again, the democracy is a copy paste of European democracy. But what does African democracy looks like? Mm -hmm. Specifically, what does democracy look like in Somalia? A pastoral community um, uh, that traditional elders have a huge role. Uh, it's, a, it's a very a nomadic community. What does that look like, right? Mm -hmm. if, you wanna, if you wanna copy, you know, um, Scandinavian democracy and bring it into Somalia, how would that fit? The societies are different, the culture is different, the religion is different, the, the, the historical content is different, right? right? And so if you if we go down to women, it's similar. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. I, I, the Western uh, feminism has, has been discussed in many parts. Even if you look at the United States, mm -hmm. most African-American and Black women move away from the, from exactly. the, from the title of uh, feminism because they mm -hmm. cannot relate to a mm -hmm. feminism. For them, feminism is a white, uh, middle-class, upper-class woman um, and it's, it has nothing to do with class struggle, race issues, and all these critical things that affects a black woman in America. Um, and so you can tell that there's not only is it a moving away, it's a rejection of Western feminism. Even though the core of equality is similar, like we believe in gender equality, we believe in all these things, but however, it does not, it does not translate into uh, to Somali society. One of the things I, I remember um, when I was working, and you know, I consider myself a very empowered woman, Mm. I was able to, I was lucky enough to have, um, not by sheer work, but by sheer luck, I was able to have access to many things that maybe many Somali women in Somalia at the time did not. And right. so as an empowered woman trying to do the empowered work, mm. I was in a meeting with a group of uh, well-meaning, uh, um, well-meaning women, uh, Western women who wanted to talk, address the issue of Somalia and gender equality. As we have these great discussions, the conversation mm -hmm. tunneled down to my hijab. It was, <laughs> oh, you know, it must be hard. It must be so hard, you know, to be, you know, to be forced into wearing these clothes. Wouldn't it be great if Mogadishu, if women could just wear, you know, bikini and things like that, you know? And I realized in that spirit of second that despite us, you know, reading the same text and trying to do the same work, our, our worldview and our priorities is so different. Right? right, because for me, I consider myself very empowered, and I and these tires that I wear is my religious identity. It has nothing to do with me as an empowered black woman in Somalia. And mm -hmm. so, um, and so, imagine those very women when they have policy access and they are able to drive huge development projects in Somalia. The same mm -hmm. mentality you bring into projects in the World Bank or the United Nations, where your whole view of Somali women's equality is these these um these point of views mm -hmm. that is not comparable uh, or that's not complementary to somali women's needs or right. all ones mm -hmm. and so it's definitely um we see that in development we see that in economic we see that in political and we of course see that in gender work as well um mm -hmm. and, and and it's something that we as africans need to actually drive that agenda mm -hmm. i see well-meaning africans who sit in many of these important meetings who shy away from challenging that uh that status quo and saying hold on this is not relevant here let's mm -hmm. work on these things you know and and to 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 empower ourselves to drive the agenda of development in our country and to ensure that whatever um well-meaning western uh, uh international western people want to do we need to help uh, uh we need to help and be clear what does it mean for us and what are our needs and that somali women should drive their agenda and should be should have authority over 
over um, ways that they want, they see equality in Somalia. Okay, so then, I mean, what, what then should be the terms of the debate? Because you, you're right, I mean, we should, we should, we should uh, drive the agenda, but what should be the terms of the debate around, I mean, development work, gender issues, what should be the terms of the debate, particularly now uh, in a world that, uh, in a world that is, we're questioning very many things from the nation state, the development models, uh, the rise of China, what should, what should be, what should be the terms of the debate uh, that the, the Somali citizen, not just women, so Somali citizen, needs to start right. thinking about in terms of as we are now engaging with uh, talking about issues that affect our existence. This should be not of, of course, not an exhaustive list, but in your view, what, what do you think should be the the some center center terms of reference around this debate? And that's that's a really critical question. Um, and I think, you know, it also, obviously Somalia itself is not a homogeneous um, uh, society. And obviously it depends on who you talk to and it depends on mm. what's the um, mind frame of that. Um, for me, as I'm, I'm, I am in the mind frame of activism and right now, um, two, two things I'm involved in this election is, um, you know, moving towards democracy that is, you know, homegrown democracy, meaning mm -hmm. empowering Somalis to have a say in who gets to represent them. Because if they have a say, they have power over, over what happens, or at least if the person does not represent them, they can then reject them. And the person does not feel entitled to sit in these seats and abstract resources and, and conducting corruptions and not look back at the communities they're supposed to represent, right? So mm -hmm. a homegrown democratic system. Um, and the other thing I look at is gender equality. Those are the right. two things, those are, those are the two headspace that I'm in. Um, and I think in terms of framing the, 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 the national, uh, the framing that, that debate, I think um, we have to always say, you know, homes, uh, homegrown solution is the key solution to all problems. Mm -hmm. um, and for example, in Somali community right now, even within the Somali, Somali uh, peninsula, we have, uh, we have different um, regional states. And each regional state is unique. Um, some, some communities are a farmer's community. Um, some, they, live, they live near rivers. Some are uh, camel herders. They live in more semi-dry uh, semi area. Right. Um, some are uh, city dwellers. They live in the cities. You know, so even within Somali context, it's very diversified. So whatever solution you have for Somalia, let's, let's bring this to Somalia first. Then right. after that, let's go from bottom up. So the nomadic communities in Somalia should come with their own, we should help navigate their own solutions. Right. The farmers community should navigate their own solutions, right? right? Even in Somalia, we should stay away from the centralized because that's why we failed. Um, that's why we had a, a dictator overthrown, the centralized and solution that one glove fits all. I think it's, 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 it's the beginning of, of, of what you call a, um, a systematic failure because when communities feel represented in the grand scheme of a nation, then the nation serves the community. But if the nation um, speaks for its community, then it becomes a problem. And I think Somalia, if they're very headstrong, um, pastoral and farmer communities, um, and, and they like, and they believe that each um, community believes that they represent their own uh, interests and they understand their own needs. And I think that's the challenge right now we face from the federal government. Um, the rhetoric that somehow a guy sitting in Villa Somalia can have the solutions to Somalia without leaving Villa Somalia. Yes. <laughs> and that's impossible, yeah. That's yeah. impossible. Rukia, Rukia Mohamed, yeah. on that very, very good note, I'd like to end this conversation here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joe.